Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the We Believe Do You Paranormal Podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Michelle. And today's deep dive, getting off of the aliens and back no. to the ghost, is on the Greenbrier ghost. A little, uh, what's the word? I forgot the fuck I was going to say. Anyway, this <laughs> topic came up f- because of a future past interview. That makes sense. Like, the interview has been recorded. Yeah. No, in two weeks. You'll hear it in two weeks. But in that episode, it was just a kind of brief. I, it was mentioned, but it wasn't really deep. Like we didn't go into detail about it. It was just something to set up uh, something else in that interview. Uh, so it was the Greenbrier, the Greenbrier ghost. Um, and and and. Yeah, well, I mean, we got the idea because he mentioned it. I was like, oh, wait, that's actually a super interesting story. Let's do that. But then Eric was in charge of writing the outline, the outline of, of this one. And then what did you, where were you that you found? It's like a sign, like a synchronicity that we were supposed to do this. Oh, yeah. we. So that day I started. So I was going to actually. Uh, and this is kind of funny. We're recording when we are because this is. um close to the anniversary of when the actual i believe it was the murder occurred oh yeah it was like the end of january yeah like it january was like the 28th. 24th oh 20 yeah something yeah i think it's like the t- something like that mm-hmm. well you'll but, find out here in a second <laughs> yeah but uh so it's it's kind of crazy so right now we're when we're recording it's the 30th sasha's birthday sasha i know you're probably not listening but happy birthday Woo-hoo. um Aquarius crystals. Aquarius crystals and gems. So if y'all are into crystals and gems, go check her out. Uh, That's her Instagram. She like handpicks all the crystals and will not bring something home unless she wants to keep it for like her own collection. Her shit is quality. She's a walking crystal encyclopedia um, and she knows what the fuck she's doing. So if you want good quality crystals and someone who's knowledgeable in what they are selling you, she could tell you where it was mined and all that other like crazy shit that most people are like, yeah, uh, it's a rose quartz. I don't know. It comes from China. Kind of shit. Like, no. <laughs> she knows her She knows her stuff. So if you need good quality, beautiful crystals, Aquarius crystals and gems. Plug. She did not pay us to say that. She's just family. So Yeah. And she's in uh, the beginning of the month or not month but like the beginning of the aquarius uh season season and i'm she, i'm at the end like i'm literally the last day yeah you're you're uh she's capricorn cusp and you are what is it pisces, pisces. Like? i don't know yeah, yeah you're pisces, pisces cusp uh but, but yeah so it was so we're recording on the 30th and uh a lot of stuff happened this weekend. Uh, unfortunately, oh um, we lost our uh, our aunt, who was our grandmother's sister. So it was a very hard weekend. Um, <clears throat> and so I didn't I didn't write the report out. Like I literally told my sister, I was like, "Look, I know we were supposed to record uh, yesterday, but or Sunday, but I have I don't think I'm going to get." this done at all this weekend and sure enough yeah it was a crazy weekend uh so sunday i was like all right i'm gonna knock this shit out today and i just started typing away and like i just i literally only used three sources but like it was like more than enough to like just put everything together are you there oh, okay you just yeah. <laughs> i, I, I just zoned out yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> you pulled an eric yeah. <laughs> um and uh, my wife was like, hey, uh, I just want to do this stuff, you know, during like today, you know, and I was like, all right, yeah, just let me finish up a little bit more and we'll head out. So we started, you know, we went to like Walmart, dollar store, stuff like that. And we were at the dollar store. We were just looking around or she was looking for specific things, but I was just browsing around and I ended up finding these little die, like like a set of die, a pair of dice. And um, it said like, Greenbrier International Incorporated or something like that. I was like, holy yeah. shit. What? Yeah. It's a sign. And, and, um, and I think at the, sometime uh, it was either last Tuesday or Wednesday. It was the day after a couple uh, the day after a couple days after uh, we recorded with uh, no, it was a week after. Sorry. We recorded with 
the guest that's going to be on in a couple weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. His podcast is two 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 paranormal paranormal podcast, I believe. Uh, and I ended up ha- seeing two 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 on my uh, odometer, and then yesterday, um, or no, today, I ended up seeing two 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 at some point. So, yeah. This was what we were supposed to record this month. This Apparently. week. Apparently, uh, isn't that what he said? Two, two, two was that you're like on the right path and you're like mm-hmm. supported or something. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. So hopefully, uh, Joe is listening to this, mm-hmm. and if he's not, I'm gonna tell him to go listen to this episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, guys. So today we are talking about the Greenbrier ghost. You were going to say something? Oh, no. I was just going to mention that I guess three weeks from this episode airing will be a very interesting uh, episode. Uh, oh, three weeks? Dude, Four I weeks? You're, you're not coming out until like the beginning. Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. I thought, I thought March was, or February. Oh, no. March has five. Yeah. March has five. Oh, no. So wait. you... So, yeah, I'm kind of so, yeah, go ahead and kind of bring this up because I want them to be well, they're going to have to wait longer, (laughs) but I want them to have to wait like I'm going to have to wait uh, (laughs) to hear this shit because I'm so pissed that I have to wait until next week to, well, not even a few days to to the full story. I have a gist of what the story is, but I'm so fucking excited to tell you guys. I mean, well, excited now that it's like hopefully over. But, um, dude, it's like almost an entire month before they're going to hear it. I know. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Literally an entire month before they'll actually it's hear easy this. for, I, I thought I mixed up February with March and I got really excited. My bad. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to wait until March. Sorry, not sorry. But hopefully, I want to say I promise it's good, but hopefully you guys think so. Um, but I'm excited to at least tell Eric, at least he'll, I, I can get it out of my system and he can hear. And then you guys can hear all about it uh, a month from now <laughs> yeah. or about a month from now. About a month and a week, I think. Are you serious? Yeah, dude, because yeah, we're doing a deep dive. True. Oh, so, God, we're so far ahead. Look at us, man. Yeah, uh, we're doing This is a deep dive. So we're going to still have another deep dive and then your episode. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So. It's I'm a good one. Wait. I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to hear about it. Luckily, I don't have to wait a month in a yeah. day in a week. I only <laughs> have to wait three more days. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm like I'm thinking this is going to be a good one. I'm excited. So. I'm gonna get my popcorn, even though we're not supposed to eat on the podcast. Um, and and just know to you guys, like I I have never been one to exaggerate. So for me to be this excited about sharing this is like because this is probably one of the bigger things that has happened to me no i think it's the biggest thing that has happened to me that's how insane it was because it wasn't just me experiencing it it was me and someone else experiencing the exact same thing so i tried to i was like okay cool so now you can be on the podcast she's like fuck that i was like okay fine i was like can i at least tell the story she's like yeah but i don't want anything to do with it i was like okay (laughs) (laughs) but yeah anyway well, Green it's not the first time you had the same experience with somebody, but it's okay. Well, I mean, but like, well, you don't know the details, brother. Just wait. Just wait. <laughs> well, Dog. then let's. No, that was, uh, <laughs> that was Olivia. Olivia. Yeah, oh. she's probably playing Call of Duty or something. <laughs> nice. Okay. Greenbrier Ghost. Yeah. So the Greenbrier Ghost. So this is actually something, again, when it was mentioned on the, the interview that we did uh, last week, I believe. Um, I never heard about it. Michelle seemed to have reacted. So, um, I assumed, I mean, Michelle, like, I literally feel like every time something's brought up, Michelle, like knows, and I've never even heard of it. So, uh, that's why it's always fun for me to kind of do and, or be a part of these deep dives because I learned something new Mm -hmm. and, uh, this was not the exception. So who or what is the Greenbrier ghost? The Greenbrier ghost is the name given to an alleged ghost in Greenbrier County kind of on the nose, but it is said to be the ghost of a girl in that county who was murdered in 1897, whose name is Elva Zona Hester Shue, but more on her, more on her murder later. I, it, it also, I, I kept having a hard time. I kept writing 1987, but 
1897. <laughs> Dyslexia. Yeah. Um. So, do you want to do this part or do? Uh. Either way, I w- I was just gonna add that this is kind of a a true crime. Episode. Oh yeah, that's I wanted to mention that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so yeah, it's it's almost gonna be true crimey. I promise there is ghost involved. Uh. But you know, I I guess part of me for like a half a second hesitated with this one because it is more true crime than it is paranormal. But I feel like a lot of these cases or a lot of paranormal cases, there is true crime. Like you have to have some sort of like true crime in order to have, you know, the paranormal, right? Like we've, we've talked to to Dan and he does all the, uh, from Asa La Muerte Chronicles and he does a lot of the history and it's murders and people dying and it's true crime. And then because of that, you, you have a ghost. Um, so that's, activity. yeah, exactly. So this is kind of an example of that, I guess. So yeah, it, it is pretty true crimey. Uh, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about the murder and everything, but I, we promise there's a paranormal aspect to it. Very interesting twist and paranormal aspect. If you don't know the story, so just bear with us. You can jump in on this part. Sissy. Okay. Um, the woman who was murdered uh, and who will ultimately become the Green Buyer ghost, her name was Zona Shu, and she had four brothers and was very like protective of her, of, of her and her family was you know well known in the in the community and everybody loved them. And uh, I can't remember if she was the youngest, but being the only girl in the family, she was obviously very like sheltered i guess you know they wanted to kind of keep her away from any kind of anything that can hurt her um but her family used to sell eggs and and other kinds of things to some of the shops in town so quite often like her brothers would go into town and and bring the the these shops like the eggs or whatever products or produce that they had you know, would sell to them. And then finally they started bringing her along and she had actually met this other guy and they hit it off super quick. One thing led to another. She ended up actually getting pregnant, but then their families were like, usually you would think, especially back in the day here that, um, shotgun wedding. Yeah. Shotgun wedding. And then be like, okay, well now you're going to get married and you're stuck with each other for the rest of your lives. But no, their parents got together and were like, actually, you guys would not work and we don't want you guys to get married. So they didn't. Um, She ended up giving birth and unfortunately, they ended up losing the baby shortly after. Like they hadn't even named it yet uh, or named him yet. It was a boy and uh, he ended up passing away. So because of that, they both kind of just parted ways. Um, and she was pretty heartbroken and, you know, obviously was was very depressed because of everything that had, had just happened. Uh, it, it was like a whirlwind romance and everything. So very quick. Uh, it ended. She was heartbroken. Uh, and then she met this blacksmith named Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe. Um, he would go by Edward. But didn't he also go by? So, so, Trout. so his name, yeah. So his name was Erasmus uh, Stribling Trout Shoe. Um, they called him Edward. That I guess that's how she knew him. But in the community, they called him Trout. Trout. Yeah, that yeah. was like his his nickname, I guess. Um, so you're uh, gonna hear us either say Edward, Edward Trout, or, Trout. or Shoe. Yeah. Because yeah, because yeah, it's all the same person. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they they met in October of 1986, and it's kind of the same thing, super whirlwind romance, and they got married shortly after meeting each other. Uh, Mary Hester, sorry, Mary Hester, Zona's Zona's mother, was against the marriage from the beginning. Zona's mother and father had noticed a difference uh, in her mood and and her attitude, and she seemed a lot happier and stuff. So, because um, they were planning more trips into town just so that they could be together, and so they're like, "All right, well, let's go meet this, you know, Edward or Trout guy." And the moment that they met him, mom was like, 
fuck this guy. Like, she didn't like him. She felt that he was too flirty and too, um, like, egotistical and just, like, not not a good guy. And um, so she was, she was against the marriage from the very beginning. And she didn't know it at the time, but he had already been in prison before. And uh, he'd also been married twice before. Um, he had he had been well. I'll talk about why he was in prison in a little bit. But uh, his first wife actually divorced him because supposedly he had abandoned her and their child. And um, although some sources say that she had broke her neck when she had fallen off of a haystack, so it's like the first marriage of th- this is where. It, it's it kind of like differs depending on where you're reading um some people say that yeah basically he was like uh yeah i don't want to be with you anymore so just like take the kid and take your shit and leave and um he was actually very abusive to her like everything started off all nice and sweet and then he just started beating the shit out of her and uh turns out that she also had some family and stuff who defended her and protected her and actually took this uh, Edward guy, threw him in like an ice hole and was like, if you touch her or, you know, abuse her ever again, like we're going to kill you kind of thing. And then that's when he was like, just go fuck off with the kid and I want nothing to do with you. Um, but yeah, he, he had also been in prison for uh, supposedly stealing a horse at the time as well. Uh, his second marriage ended when a brick accidentally fell on his wife's head while he was making repairs accidentally while he was making repairs to their home on the roof and uh, another story is kind of similar but a little bit different uh, states that his wife was helping him fix her chimney and as she was raising a rock inside of the basket the basket turned over and dropped the rock on her head and, and that's how she died um, and this is a lot of these stories too are like they're not written in newspaper articles it's like a lot of hearsay and passing along information you know through literally years centuries um so just also keep that in mind you know if you are trying to search for stuff or listen to podcasts it it kind of varies um quite a bit some of the details but the most important thing is that he had been married twice before and he had also been to prison so he was not uh, the best guy, I guess. Um, but none of this they knew at the time. No, yeah, this was this was because he he was actually also came from a completely different county, and to mm-hmm. kind of escape all of you know that background negative background that he had, he he had uh, moved to Greenbrier. So, um, that's kind of why nobody knew any about knew anything about him as well. All right, so there was. So now they've been married so uh, three months. They, they, so they were married. And after three months of being married on January 23rd, 1897, uh, she was found dead at the bottom of the stairs to the home that she shared with her husband by the neighbor boy, Andy Jones. Uh, this 11-year-old boy, uh, he was somebody that they paid to come over and do the chores uh, there at the, at the home. And he was actually the one that found her. Uh, after he found her body, he like booked it to his house to tell his mom. And then they were just like, you need to go tell Edward. So he ran from there to the black blacksmith shop where Edward, uh, Edward shoe worked. Uh, when he arrived to his home, he appeared to, uh, so when Edward arrived to his home, he beard, he appeared to be in great anguish and called Dr. Knapp, who was a town doctor and metal, medical examiner. And after a brief examination, the doctor had determined that she had died of an everlasting faint or what we call a heart attack. Uh, yeah. yeah they're, they're really crazy. Okay. Like what they're everlasting. Faint. I kind yeah. of, I kind of like that better than a heart attack. It's very, very dramatic, but yeah, I, I, I did want to add though with the, the 11 year, 11 year old boy, Andy. Um, it, so the, the, and again, these are just like details that are like hearsay and there's no like real set evidence about, how it all played out but um this uh trout edward trout guy he had actually gone to um andy's home and was like hey my wife's not feeling well can you go take the eggs into Mm -hmm. town and um run that errand for her because she's just not feeling well so she can't do it so like if you could go do it that'd be great 
And the kid's like, yeah, sure. But he didn't do it immediately. Like, he he had other shit to do, I guess. And then uh, Trout came back and was like, have you have you gone to take – he's like, no, I haven't done it. He's like, go go do it. And he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Trout ended up coming back four times before Andy was finally like, all right, well, let me go do what this guy says and I'll just, you know, get it done now because he's obviously becoming irate. And that's when he went to the house and was like, okay, well, there are no eggs here um, in the chicken coop. So he was like either uh, Zona, Zona, Jesus, mm-hmm. yeah, either Zona already did it or someone else has already done it. And that's when he goes into the house and is when he finds her. And um, one podcast that I've like listened to mentioned that he was the little boy was black and like his family was black and the other like Edward obviously was white. Mm-hmm. So he was afraid that if he went like he stayed there longer that he would be blamed for it. Yeah. So and instead of going to like the cops or like to find a doctor, he went to his parents first. And mm-hmm. that's why he um, went there because he's like, well, I don't want someone to say that I did it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to make it like a race issue thing either. No, but I mean if that's what it was because yeah. honestly like every the the three places that I looked nothing mentioned the the race of the boy. I just yeah. assumed because of the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so And it was West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that was part of it like if anyone's like why the why did he go to his family and he didn't just go straight to like a doctor or like the police you know mm-hmm. it was it was because he was afraid that he would be uh blamed for the murder um but but yeah so he like you said eric he goes and he um tells his, his mom first and then he goes to tell edward and obviously edward goes to the house so besides the 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 heart attack that she ended up supposedly having another um, or something else that had been mentioned was possibly complications that she had passed from complications from a miscarriage. Um, Because like Michelle mentioned, she had been, you know, pregnant before and she had had a a miscarriage. I assuming there was some time between those two things, but you know, medicine wasn't what it is today. And well, and and the other reason why they couldn't like fully conclude what had happened or what, had killed her was because uh trout wouldn't let the doctor near her like he yeah. would just start crying as if you know he was just being like super emotional anytime the doctor like came close to her but the the super weird thing too with it was that they had found her or found them i guess like he had taken her from like the bottom of the steps like eric said like up to their bedroom and he had already like changed her and dressed her um and put her in like a high collared dress with a scarf kind of covering her up. And it was just a weird thing to do. Cause that's not what the men did back in the day. I think you yeah. mentioned it later, right? No, I was literally about to say all that. <laughs> Where? Oh, fuck. Sorry. <laughs> so, it's yeah. on the next page. Yeah, no. Yeah. So her body was prepared um, for the burial that same day. And uh, Mr. Shu was the one that assisted in preparing her. And I and I do mention it further down during the trial and all that stuff like that. Uh, so he like Michelle said, he assisted in preparing her and placing her in the casket casket and was always handling her head. Uh, he, he placed a folded sheet on one side of her head and then like another article of clothing on the other side. And he said that it was because she would rest easier. Mm. Uh, he had also folded a scarf over uh, or a veil in some cases because they mentioned a veil as well um, around her neck. And then he draped it over her face as it was her favorite. According uh, to him. Yeah, according to him, it was her favorite. Keep and in then mind, was, they've only known each other for like four months or some sh- like tops. Something like, like no. Not, yeah. Well, yeah. Because I don't know if it says how long. I don't know. It does because no, as a matter of they fact. They were married I, for three months, yeah. but. Because they met in October, and then in January when she was murdered, yeah, they were already married. So yeah, they were literally like they met each other and like they got married almost like pretty much right away. Yeah, yeah. So she was then taken to her mother uh, Mary Hester's home, and when the casket was opened there, Edward never left the head of the casket. Like he was always by the head. Like just pay attention to that. The head, the head, the head, the head. Okay, he he never left the head alone. So she was buried the following day on January 24th, 1987. 
and no one thought anything of it. Like no one thought it was suspicious because, uh, I mean, back in that day, people just fucking, they died all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like it, it wasn't like medicine today, you know, I mean, people still die all of a sudden, people still die all of a sudden, you know, when it's yeah. unexpected, especially from heart attacks and stuff. So nobody, again, nobody really thought anything of it because they were just like, yeah, this shit happens all the time. So. Yeah. And, and given that he wouldn't let anyone near her, I mean, it was hard to really do a, like a thorough examination of what could have uh, caused that. Although later on, it does come out that, well, never mind. I'll wait. <laughs> Cause I'm going to about to ruin everything. Uh, we got a whole section on the I know, I know, exhumation I know. and the indictment. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I just got excited. Uh, a warning to her mother. Um, so, yeah, Z- Zonia was buried with no charges being brought against her husband, of course. And within a month of her daughter's burial, Mary Sue began, Shoe, sorry, Mary Sue began telling her neighbors that her daughter Zonia's spirit had visited her four nights in a row to accuse her husband of her death. And it was not weird. Uh, what's I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it, I guess it was interesting because she was obviously she was so heartbroken. I, I can only imagine any mother losing her daughter in such a sudden way. You know, is is pretty traumatic. So you know, she was praying to to God and asking God, like you know, to 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 be able to see her daughter, speak to her daughter, um, and so. One evening, she was awoken randomly, suddenly, and saw this, like, shadow in her room and obviously was afraid, but then came to realize that it was actually her daughter. And it it took a few nights. It took four nights for her daughter to eventually tell her that uh, she wanted to set the record straight about her death that it wasn't an accident it wasn't everlasting faint uh you know or a heart attack and um that she her mom ended up being told by this ghost that edward had been abusive and cruel and had actually attacked her in a fit of rage and let me tell you why he had this fit of rage again it's all speculation passed down but zonia's ghost had told her mother that he was angry because um, she hadn't been feeling well. Like that, that part was true. She hadn't been feeling well, but she knew that if she didn't have a meal prepared for, for Edward um, or Trout when he came back home, uh, cause he would come for like lunch or snacks, like randomly throughout the day that he would, he would be pissed. So she's like, no, I need to get up. I need to prepare him a meal. But again, because she wasn't feeling well, it was like, you know, bread and jam and berries yeah it was like fruit basically fruits and vegetables and he was fucking pissed because he's like well where's the meat and he supposedly ended up breaking her neck and uh i mean that kind of now makes sense as to why he was so protective of her neck and head and wouldn't let people near her and like had to literally prop her head and neck up to make it look normal but um I guess the second night or the next night, she ended up uh, giving more details as far as what had happened or how it happened. And he said or she said that um, she he had actually squeezed her neck so hard that I, I assume that he probably like broke her neck and like trachea because uh, blood was coming out of her mouth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went she even got so specific and said that he had broken her neck between i think the second and third like vertebrae or something like that like she she got really specific as far as yeah, like where no she says uh the first joint that he broke he okay, squeezed first. her neck off at the first joint yeah which would and, be the oh, first well, okay, yeah again she's she's her mother is a very christian woman and uh like i said the family was very well liked so uh, word started spreading quickly that the ghost of Zonia had convinced Mary, her her husband Edward, uh, <laughs> aka Erasmus, aka Trout, had actually killed her daughter. And um, again, because they're so well liked, because she was such a Christian woman, people believed her. 
And Mary Hester and her brother-in-law, John, would then go to uh, the Lewisburg prosecutor, John A. Preston, with the accusation against Edward. At the time, he didn't dismiss her, but he was obviously super skeptical because it's a ghost story. Um, And he questioned her, asking for names and people who may be involved and um, was convinced there or was... Oh, and was convinced that there is a, a basis for the investigation. So he's like, all right, let's go with it. Yep. So, yeah, like Michelle mentioned, uh, he had an interview with her. So after his interview with Mary Hester, uh, Preston became convinced that there was a basis for the investigation, like Michelle said. there uh, During the investigation, that's when Trout's background started to to be revealed. His previous, unc- sorry, his previous incarceration, uh, and his previous marriages and how they ended. Uh, Dr. Knapp was also consulted by John Preston uh, during this, where he agreed that he may not, he may have given an incorrect diagnosis. And with that, uh, it was seen as, in, as sufficient ju- justification for an autopsy. So um, once that was decided, then an exhumation order was given and there was an inquest, ju- inquest jury that was assembled. And for you, so for those of you who don't know, like Me. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> an inquest jury is a formal court hearing held to determine whether the death of a person was caused by an unlawful act or omission. And if the death was caused by an unlawful act or omission to obtain evidence to form the basis of a criminal prosecution. So basically they form this jury and they're like, all right, so, you know, is there like evidence here to, to make this like, could this have been a murder? And if the jury decides yes, then that's when uh, they go ahead and uh, start the whole process of the, you know, the prosecution and stuff like that, getting all that evidence. So the Greenbrier independent reported this was a, I believe a newspaper. Uh, They reported that trout vigorously complained about the exhumation and was made clear. And it was made clear to him that if he didn't, attend the inquest willingly that he would be forced to go so like he didn't want them to exhume her body because obviously he knew what he had done yeah so his reply that he knew that he would be arrested but that he wouldn't be able to prove but so he replied to them when they were like telling him oh you have to come to this he was like well i knew i'd be arrested but uh they wouldn't be able to prove that that he that you know that i did or that he did it so this careless statement actually showed that he at least had knowledge that his wife had been murdered. Uh, an autopsy was then performed on February 22nd of 1897 in the local one-room schoolhouse. So literally they did an autopsy in the, the schoolhouse. They're like, uh, okay, guys, uh, no school today. We'll Laid her out. This lady open. Yeah. Hopefully they wiped stuff down mm-hmm. and then the next day kids came back to school. Yeah. No lie. Not exaggerating. <laughs> Because I don't even know. Well, I guess I should have looked that up, but I don't even know if they did embalming and stuff like that. No. So I I have those details. Yes. Typically, embalming was like done, but because it was uh, January, it was the middle of winter. Mm, um, but yeah, the cold weather actually preserved her body. So uh, that's how they were able to uh, get more details about the autopsy and like her body was well pre- preserved. And I'm trying to remember where I had heard it or like, cause I've, again, I've heard the story on, on multiple podcasts, but um, it was said that she was not pregnant because they did the autopsy of her whole body, like ovaries mm-hmm. and everything. So that was like checked off that she, luckily, thank goodness, it wasn't a miscarriage. She wasn't pregnant. So, mm-hmm. I mean, foul play even more so is involved, but I mean, they had, actual facts when they realized the autopsy was performed on the 22nd of february so that's almost a a month exactly from when she was murdered because she was murdered on the 23rd so of january so almost exactly a month later she the autopsy was born so i guess you know the the cold weather preserved her body pretty good Uh, the autopsy did last three hours and the autopsy findings were not favorable favorable for mr shu uh, and an, an independent report put out on March 9th said that the discovery was made that the neck was broken and the windpipe was smashed, like Michelle had mentioned previously. Mm-hmm. On the throat, there were marks of fingers indicating that she had been choked. 
and the neck was dislocated between the first and second vertebra. Uh, the ligaments were torn and ruptured. The windpipe had been crushed at a point in front of the neck. So the windpipe is the trachea. That's what you know gets you the the air to your lungs. And uh, there's little like it's a little anatomy lesson if you guys don't know. So the esophagus. And the windpipe are kind of like the windpipe is in front of the esophagus. So when people say, "Oh, I, t- uh, you know, the food went down the wrong pipe," they mean that it went down their their trachea and you know to the lung area. So the 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 trachea has like these little rings of cartilage that help keep it open. So if you crush that when you take a breath, that uh, those rings can't keep your trachea open. So your trachea collapses and you're not able to take a breath in. So, yeah. So when you breathe in, instead of staying open, like it literally um, clamps shut and you can't take a breath. So, Mm-mm. yeah. Uh, the Greenbrier independent would also report that after Dr. Knapp was unable to resuscitate Zona, uh, this is, uh, yeah. So they're reporting this and this is from, uh, I think Dr. Knapp's uh, testimony on the, during the case that he stated that once he was unable to resuscitate Zona, Shu, uh, requested the doctor make no further examination of the body and that he assisted in, uh, dressing the body and in doing so put around the neck, a high collar, which he, he ended up putting on her wedding dress, which had the high collar. Mm-hmm. And a large veil folded over, uh, sorry, a large veil fo- folded several times and tied in a large bow under the chin. So the neck was observed many times by witnesses to be very loose upon the neck and would drop from side to side when not supported. So that's why he was always at the head yeah. uh, trying to protect it and cradle it so that like people wouldn't notice that. But obviously, you know, they did. And mm-hmm. like Michelle mentioned, he he was there, he dressed her and he told the doctor, okay, okay, that's enough. You know, like, you know, she, you said she's dead. Like, like, let's just leave her alone type of thing. Uh, and and mm-hmm. just, just a disclaimer too, like, I know that people grieve in different ways and like people when they're in shock react differently and stuff. But I mean, we know the outcome of, of this. So I think it's safe to say he was clearly trying to cover things up. Co- yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the findings were immediately made public, uh, upsetting many in the community. And he was arrested, charged with murder, and taken to the jail at Lewisburg, where he was held until his indictment by the grand jury and the trial in June. Uh, On June 22nd, 1897, the jury returned a guilty verdict after only deliberating for an hour and 10 minutes. The Independent, which is the same, the Greenbrier Independent, makes it clear that he was convicted of murder of Zona Shu because of circumstantial evidence and not a ghost's testimony. Mm-hmm. During the trial uh, prosecution, well, that's what the newspaper said. And that because, and I'll mention it in a little bit, because of the, the prosecution, because uh, the defense fucked up. <laughs> so during the trial... Uh, prosecution questioned Mary Hester as uh, and tried to avoid questioning questioning her or bringing up her daughter's ghost and having her speak about it. Like they did not want to bring that mm-hmm. in at all because they were like, we don't want to fuck this up. We want to make sure that everything that we like, if we get this guy, it's because of every like it's fact evidence based. It's not because of the yeah. testimony of a ghost. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they did every like the prosecution, like the people that are on Mary Hester's side did everything they could to try and avoid talking about Zona's ghost or the Greenbrier ghost. Um, Trout's defense, however, took their opportunity to to bring it up in uh, cross-examination. So this tactic actually backfired as Mary did not waver from her original testimony. uh, (laughs) She did not waver from her original testimony despite intense badgering from uh, the defense. Um, because and because the defense introduced the issue of the ghost, the judge found it difficult to ask the jury to disregard the story of the ghost. So they're the ones that were like, um, they brought up, like I said, the prosecution was like, okay, we're not going to bring this up. We don't want to talk about it because we want him to be put away on strictly facts. So these motherfuckers tried to make it seem like, oh, this bitch is crazy. She's seeing her her go her you know her daughter's ghost and. That's why we're here because of the testimony of a ghost. Mm -hmm. What they didn't count on was many people in the community believing that. 
So the Greenbrier ghost was never mentioned by the prosecution, like I said, and played no part in the case against Shu. So while the defense did bring it up, like the official like thing was all circumstantial evidence, which mm-hmm. in today's court wouldn't put him away. Yeah, no. But back then it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so he was sen- sentenced to life in prison and he was taken to the state prison in Moundsville by train a few days after when a lynching attempt was foiled. That was hilarious. So apparently a mob had formed uh, to take him out of prison and hang him on their own. But the the mob ended up being disbanded by a deputy sheriff. And four of the mob organizers were later later faced charges for, you know, their actions against, you know, Shu. Trout Shu ended up dying in prison of the flu on March 1st, 1900. So he only served three years in prison before dying uh before dying of the flu and no one from his family came to claim the body can and and i bet you you know what this guy was so shitty that he joked about that he was gonna have seven wives like that was his goal in life was to have seven wives. not seven wives at the same time but like he just had seven wives so he was on his third wife and i was like yeah just four more to go but no fuck that guy he died of the flu yeah which is funny because there was a book written about with that title. So, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, we'll get to the pop and during okay. pop culture time. Oh, yes. yes, um, yes. But um, so Trout, she, like I said, he died in prison. No one, no one from his family came to claim, claim his body. And uh, the motive remains in question. Uh, Shu had a hot temper leading to the theory that the murder was an unplanned act of, Oh, because his, okay. So they didn't come and claim his body, but they questioned the motives that were given. So like his family didn't come for his body, but they defended him. Like some of them, I don't think all of them. They said that he did have a hot temper, uh, which led to the theory that the murder was an unplanned act of violence. So they said, no, he didn't like, he didn't mean to do it. Uh, oh, and there are relatives of Trout Shu who say that he had no motive and didn't kill his wife. That Lies. he didn't actually do it. That it was actually, you know, I guess an accident. She fell down the stairs and broke her neck. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, could have happened if she would have, like, fallen from the top. But I'm sure there would have, I mean, there wouldn't, there was too much evidence. Like the fingers that, yeah. and all that stuff, you know what I mean? Can't yeah. really prove that he actually did it, which again is why they say circumstantial evidence, which mm-hmm. in today's courts wouldn't fly, and this man probably wouldn't have been convicted. He would have gotten away like OJ Simpson. <laughs> um, although I think there was more evidence to go against OJ, but that's neither here nor there. Money, though, yeah, makes a difference. <laughs> So, yeah, and then there's actually a state historical marker in West Virginia uh, that was erected uh, near the cemetery where Zona Shu was buried. And it reads, interred in nearby cemetery is Zona Hester Shu. Her death in 1897 was presumed natural until her spirit appeared to her mother to describe how she was killed by her husband, Edward. Autopsy on the exhumed body verified the apparition's account. Edward found guilty of murder was sentenced to the state prison. Only known, uh, only known case in which testimony from a ghost helped convict a murderer. That's pretty fun. Well, can I? Yes. Hold on. Now I'm like trying to remember if you put this. No, you didn't. Mm-mm. Yeah, because it's already. Okay. Already... Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> I just want to do like little star asterisk there in the U.S. So this is oh. this is where I I'm just gonna play kind of sort of like dev- devil's advocate a little bit. Turns out in Australia, something very similar to this happened just a few weeks before uh, her death, or I guess no, a couple, I guess a month or so. I'll say a few weeks before her death, um, where. Supposedly, a man was murdered and found in the lake or in a uh, river, I think, or something like that. But uh, a man said that he saw this supposed dead man sitting on the edge of uh, the the river and kind of pointing into the river. And sure enough, the man's body was found. And it's like, but wait, he was pointing into the river, but his body is there. So then it was like, oh, it was a ghost. That story was printed in 
what was the newspaper? The Greenbrier Independent. The Greenbrier, the Greenbrier Independent, the same day that Zonia's obituary was printed. So supposedly, this is like a theory that her mother. Well, if you, well, if you read the pop culture, you'll get to this. That's why I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Well, no, then I sh- probably shouldn't say it then. Well, but you're going and you're going to read pop culture. Okay. So I just stop there and read, go into pop culture. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just going to leave it there for a second because um, there's a few things that I want to read before we get into the rest of that. Um, so Katie Letcher Lyle is a writer and amateur historian, um, and she wrote a book called The Man Who Wanted Seven Wives, The Greenbrier Ghost and Famous Murder Mystery of 19... 19- so I'm like yeah 1987 1897 uh, where she gave a dramatized version of the Greenbrier ghost she explained that in 1999 in sorry she explained in the 1999 issue of the wonderful West Virginia magazine that Mary Shue probably made up the story of the ghost in order to make a compelling argument to open an investigation into her daughter's case uh, she says that she felt that Mary thought that she was very dangerous, so she pretended that she received the news directly from Zonia. That way, she could appeal to the superstitions of her mountaineer neighbors and get a lot of public att- attention. And so that's why it's kind of a a theory that she had seen the newspaper article that I just told you about and... Uh, got the idea like well if it worked for this guy it'll work for me but fun fact the the person uh in australia australia who said he had seen the ghost of the guy eventually later on uh, a report was made saying that he was like oh actually i witnessed the murder but i didn't want to be involved in it yeah so i made up the story about seeing his ghost and uh yeah so (laughs) it's like even that was was made up um so and again, so are you telling me ghosts are fake? Uh, no, that much I know is real. Um, but uh, but yeah, I guess I, I feel like even more so back in the day, superstition was like, holy shit, like you know, taken a little more not more seriously, but well, I guess yeah, more seriously than it is now. Now we're like, okay, yeah, that's superstition or that's you know bullshit. Um, but yeah, definitely so. would never be brought up in court, or maybe yeah, no. Again, way. maybe maybe they would just like the def- the defense here was doing it to kind of you know, um, trying to be like, look, we're here because this lady supposedly saw her daughter's ghost. Although yeah. t- in today's world, they'd be like, oh yeah, she's fucking crazy. Let's not even trust anything she says. Yeah, but I mean, I f- I feel like the fact that her defense was trying to be like, okay, that's like we're going to try not to bring that up at all. Like mm-hmm. even they knew at the time that it's a, it sounded ridiculous, but yeah. you know, his defense was like, <laughs> let me, you know, try and make her sound crazy. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it backfired and everyone believed her. So, yeah. and, and again, the, uh, it's like one of those theories too, of like, well, the family was so well liked and so well known that they were able to get people to believe them because they had such, like good standing in the community they're upstand what is it upstanding citizens mm-hmm. yeah um versus this guy who had been in prison for stealing a horse and married twice and his wife died you know what i mean mysteriously Sus- so it's suspiciously. like possibly yes. both of them yeah possibly both depending on what you read or what you hear but uh the story of the green buyer ghost has been the subject of uh four stage adaptions adaptations Jan- oh adaptations Jen Butram's play Zona uh, was produced by Greenbrier Valley Theater in 1998. Karen Benelli's The Ghost of Greenbrier County, produced in 2004 at the New York Fringe Festival by the Rising Sun Theater Company. Um, Kathy Sawyer and Joe Butram's The Greenbrier Ghost was a full musical adaptation. Um, uh, that premiered in 2003 at the Greenbrier Valley Theater. And then finally, Greenbrier in 1897 was written and performed by Lovewell Institute for the Creative Arts. 
Sharon McCrum wrote a novel in 2017 based on the Greenbrier case called The Unique Grave. So they need to write a movie about this. I feel like it'd be, yeah, they could make a pretty, a pretty good movie. Pretty dope movie. Yeah. Sure. What are your references, yeah, brother? So yeah, so uh, Wikipedia, obviously. Every uh, university professor's favorite. Uh, I also got some information from the GreenbriarWestVirginia.com. So GreenbriarWV.com and from AppalachianHistory.net. So yeah, guys, that was the Greenbrier Ghost. I, again, had never heard of this. It was my first time even hearing the story. Well, I I was going to say, I mean, again, you're the one who kind of did the outline for this. And even though I was following the outline, me jumping ahead (laughs) with some of the information (laughs) was because it's just stuff that I remembered from um, podcasts I had listened to, specifically the three that I can remember off the top of my head, Supernatural, uh, it's called the the Greenbrier Ghost, uh, and then... Uh, Unexplained Mysteries did a, a two-part episode, 30-minute episode, so about an hour also. And then uh, I think I haven't listened to it, but uh, Morbid also did an episode on it too, if you want to give that a listen. Um, but Supernatural was my my jam for a while, but they only did a limited series and then they stopped, which was a huge bummer because it was fun. But they, yeah, they had some pretty good information. That's where... The time when I used to be able to listen to podcasts nonstop while I was working and fill my head with all this nonsense that at the beginning of the episode, you're like, I feel like you know all about it. It's like, yeah, because it's all I would listen to for like 10 hours straight at work was just shit like this. (laughs) So, yeah, just wanted to give like them shout outs too because they, I mean, they're great podcasts also. And that's just stuff that I listen to. That's all I got. Alrighty, guys, if you'd like to contact us, check out our website at webelievedyou.com. On the website, there's a tab where you can find all our social media, so make sure you go like, follow, and share on Facebook or Instagram. There's also a listen tab where you can listen to the show directly on our website or click the link to your favorite podcast listening sites, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also give us a five-star rating on Apple, which helps us move up the ranks so more people can find us. And if you leave a review, we'll read it for you here on the show. If you want any of our merch, feel free to check out our merch tab where you can find a variety of designs on t-shirts, caps, and hoodies designed by Michelle herself. You can also rock some stickers if you want. There's a donate button if you really want to help us out. And finally, if you want to reach us besides DMing us on social media, you can click on the contact us tab where you can write in telling us that you want to be interviewed. We can keep you anonymous and only share the information that you want. You can also send in your stories for our stories of high strangeness. And if you send them in in Spanish, we can translate this, those for you as well. So don't be shy, guys. Share your stories with us because we believe. Do you? Do you?